You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Ruv English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company as ever. I find myself back in the Nordic house in Reykjavik once again. We were here, of course, quite recently to find out about the exhibition that's running until September here, which is called For Those Who Couldn't Cross the Sea. But I wanted to spend a bit more time here at the house, find out about it and maybe find out some reasons to come and visit if you've never been. I'm with the director of the Nordic house. That's Sabina Westerholm. Sabina, thanks for your time today. Thank you and welcome. We're starting in the library, where there is a great deal of Scandinavian literature. Some of it is in English, but that's not really its purpose, is it? It's actually Nordic literature, since we are covering all the Indeed Nordic so. <laughs> uh, Nordic languages. And we could get into a conversation about the difference, I suppose, between Nordic and Scandinavian. But. Yeah, maybe we should not go into <laughs> no. that now. But, but actually, this is a minority yeah. library here in, in Reykjavik, so we don't have Icelandic books. But we have all the other Nordic languages, also the small ones, Sami mm. language and Faroese, Greenlandic. Yes. yes. And do you find that people from those language groups in Reykjavik make use of this facility? Yes, absolutely. Uh, when I, I come from Finland myself, and when I moved here f- over four years ago, I was met by all these stories of very warm memories of people that had come here for generations even, mm. speaking about mainly the library, also the cafeteria, but yes. the library <laughs> was also... Uh, you could feel it was a very important place for the people with very strong connections to the other Nordic countries and the languages, since you need to, you know, learn, you need to to read the languages. And uh, what we are now working with is uh, to make this space uh, and place more inclusive mm. in the way that we also want to to reach other people who don't have necessarily these very strong connections with the Nordics. How are the Nordic houses connected? Indeed, are they? I've been to the one in the Faroes. You mentioned mm, yes. Faroese. I've been to the one in Torshan quite some time ago. How are they connected? So we uh, and the Nordic house in, in Torshamn and uh, three other institutions are part of the Nordic Council of Ministers. So there are five different cultural institutions. Mm-hmm. The Nordic houses in, in Reykjavik and Torshamn, uh, but also institutes in Nuuk in Greenland, and in Mariehamn, Norland, and then there is Nordic Culture Point in Helsinki. Okay. Well, as I say, we're here in the library, which is where we're going to start our tour, our visit. And it's worth just saying at the outset, of course, that this is a nice place to be, even when there's not anything particularly going on. People are welcome to spend some time here, aren't they? Absolutely. And uh, we are a bit unchristian, as I (laughs) say, about this library. We want it to be a very lively place. So we have many times we have parties and DJs and different things going on here. It is library quiet today, though, isn't it? Yeah, today it's a bit quiet. Yes. Okay, so we wander around then and, um, uh, and, and take a look at the place. We're stepping out of the library. You mentioned the cafeteria, which is quite a popular destination. Yes. Uh, it used to be run by the Nordic House the first 20 years or so. It was this cafeteria, cafeteria where students from the university would come and sit and read papers. Mm. But nowadays it's a privately run restaurant. It's a vegetarian restaurant. We are very proud of it. And what a view. We should mention this as well, that we are in the city centre, just down from the 
university, not far now indeed from the new language house, the, the, well, the Vigdis house at the university, but sitting here in this cafeteria, this restaurant, someone's trying to get in, <laughs> yes, well. um, looking out over Hacklimskirk here, over the, the water here as well. Is that, is that Isha? I can yes, see it. Yes, it is. It it is. is. Yeah, yeah, and so. also it's uh, somehow a pandang, I think, this house to Asia, actually. This is what I have heard that when Alvar Aalto, the Finnish architect who designed mm. this house, came here, he... If you stand at some point here behind the house, now it's not maybe possible anymore because of other buildings, but then you could see how the, the roof was following the same line as Asia. Well, I mean, this is one of the best sort of low-level views left in the city because there is housing popping up absolutely everywhere, but there's none in front of us here getting in the way of the view. Yeah, I think it will be same because it is this bird sanctuary that we yeah. have here outside. So. Well, that's it's quite lively in there. It's just after lunchtime as we're here just now. Where would we head next then, do you think? don't have my keys for, oh. <laughs> for this room but uh, this is the auditorium in front of us which is closed at the moment i would like to mention this the name of this auditorium which is elissa mm. and this was one of the facts that we discovered now working with the renovation and going through all the archive materials that elissa alto who was the wife of alvar alto and also run the alvar alto's agency at this point in 1960s already was a crucial person for this building being built. She was the one who, who did the final drawings. Mm. They are signed by her, all the correspondence, which was made between, between uh, Iceland and the office was made with by Elissa. And also two other crucial people, female architects in Finland, Ilona Lehtinen, and, uh, who was the project architect here, and then the interior design architect, mm. Pirko Söderman. I think this is something that uh, was very exciting yes. for us to discover. We always talked about this, uh, like the genius Alvar Aalto, but, but then we can see that there were three yeah. strong female mm. architects and, that actually... Uh, and Elisa, by the signs of it, earning her name on the, on, the, on the side of the door. Yeah, so we yeah. did this little thing last year when we had a seminar about all this, and then we ended the seminar with naming the big hall Elisa. Yeah. Since we had two meetings, meeting rooms called Alvar and Aino, and Aino was the first wife of Alvar Alto. The exhibition that we covered a few weeks ago, for those who couldn't cross the sea, is running here until September. Where is that taking place? It's taking place downstairs, and uh, that's an uh, interesting space also. It's called, we call it Kvelving, which means vault. In Icelandic, we want to see it as the fundament of the house, like, and also where you hide your most precious things, like in the bank vault. Yeah. Uh, it's not part of the original building either. There wasn't this space when the house was introduced in the 1968, mm. but the first uh, director actually already built it under the house because you could see mm. there was a need for an exhibition space. Well, that exhibition, as we say, for those who couldn't cross the sea, it's about the experience of immigrants, about the experience of those who are seeking help in various countries because their own countries are war-torn or in some way causing them difficulty. How much of the Nordic house here is about Nordic culture? How important is that? Uh, we think it's very important to ask ourselves who is Nordic and yeah. what is Nordic. That's uh, something very important to us to go back to. And, uh, and uh, several of these artists are living in the Nordics and have for many, many years already. And going back to what we said earlier on about there being different Nordic houses in different parts of the Nordic world we are meeting each other constantly at least the directors but also on other levels mm. 
And uh, but we are very different. We have different purposes and and different locations and facilities. So mm. it's not very easy for us to collaborate on specific things. But yeah. but we do. Well, I think we I think we're on 11 degrees today maybe, so it's probably just about warm enough to step outside and maybe have a look at the greenhouse which I saw as I came here today. Now, I've not been to my shame. I've not been to this Nordic house for some time and I can't remember if the greenhouse was here the last time I was here. How long has that been where it is? Yeah, it has been for quite some while at least that's as long as I have been here. Maybe so it's a long time since I've been there. Yes, uh, <laughs> And it's, we, we say it's a greenhouse, but there, there isn't much growing on, going on inside. There is something. We have, a, we have a project going on with the organization Women in Iceland. Right. So they are taking care of the operations okay. here in the greenhouse and outside in the boxes. And this is actually a collaboration with another sister organization of ours called Nordgen, which is the Nordic Gene Bank. They are handling the Nordic Gene Bank and the... Uh, uh, international uh, Nordic Seed Vault in Svalbard. Mm. So they give us seeds or they give the this organi- women organization seeds and then they handle everything here. They plant them, they take care of them and they harvest them right. in the fall. But it is this kind of a social social project. I think that that seed bank at Svalbard looks just fascinating. Mm. It's like looking into the future, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't been there, no, though, unfortunately. I <laughs> <laughs> would like to go. Sure. Can we go inside and get out of the wind for a second, or is there? I don't want to interrupt what's going on in here at the moment. But you're right; there is some. <laughs> hi, hi. There is some cultivation going on. So, what is what's growing around the edges here? I, yeah, I can I'm see strawberries, <laughs> but otherwise, as I said, this is all managed by by yes. the group of women. And it is slightly windy day. It's one of those Icelandic days where it looks warmer than it is, but it's certainly warm enough in here. Yes, and this is exactly the place to be if we have this thing called window weather. Yes. Which we usually have (laughs) many times. (laughs) Then it's good to be here. But it can be very warm also. How does living and working, I don't know how long you've been here, but living and working in Iceland compare with Finland? Yeah, there are some differences, but I haven't met really big culture shocks, though. But I would say that, uh, yeah, some differences. Like here, people are their own bosses, kind of, <laughs> and you can uh, depend on people taking care of their, their, yes, their yes. things. And a big linguistic difference, of course, because all I know about Finnish is that it doesn't really connect to, to any Hungarian. I think it connects to, does it? Yeah, or? actually, yes, I've heard that. But yes. now, the other day, I met a Hungarian person who said it wasn't true. Wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not Finnish. I am Swedish speaking, so I am connected to the Icelandic language. But yes, it's yes. very difficult still. <laughs> okay, let's let's head back into the building, and we, we should say, of course, that um, there is renovation going on at the moment. And I think when we were here to talk about the exhibition it was still being installed. So some of those noises would have been about the exhibition being installed, but there is also work going on uh, longer term at the building as well, isn't there? Yes, so we have a long-term planned renovation at the moment, which we are very, very happy about because, of course, the house is 55 years yeah, old. It doesn't look it, actually, does it? No, that's the thing. Yeah. But, but now we want to keep it safe and in good health also in the future, and that's why it's crucial to have a renovation. So we are just changing like all the basic structures for the house, ventilation, heating, and plumbing, and these things. And it must all have to be done very sympathetically with the original design, which is very striking and very obviously Nordic and very obviously Icelandic. So it might be, I guess, quite difficult to update a building like this. Yeah, it is. Uh, we need to do it 
very, very carefully, but we are also doing it together in cooperation with the Alvaralta Foundation in Finland and with Minja Stopnen here in Iceland, the authority that yes. takes care of cultural heritage. So, uh, yes, it makes it slow, but also I'm very happy that we can do this yes. in the right way. There is also a children's library, as we mentioned. It's possible, I think, there's an audio guide available for people who visit as well. So if someone if someone does take the audio tour or, or avail themselves of the audio guide, what will they hear and see? Then they will hear parts of the history, but also like get to know the different functions that, that we have here. And it's read by interesting people also. Eliza Reid, for example. First, First lady, lady here mm-hmm. in Iceland is reading the English one and and so on. Okay. And she's also a, she's also one of the key speakers at the Iceland Airwaves conference that's taking place in November as well. And of course, just back from a, a trip around Canada with her husband, the president. So, do you get many locals coming to the Nordic House? We've talked about the cafe and the restaurant, which is a nice place to be. Do you get people who have maybe lived in Reykjavik for many years and, and have never come? Uh, yeah, it happens. And this is what we are trying to do to find the audiences that have not come here for generations, because there are many of them, but also the ones that have not. During the summer, we have picnic concerts, Mm -hmm. free picnic concerts outside in in the greenhouse where we actually were just now on Sundays. And then we have the exhibitions going on, always nice programs for families and children, because the children's library, you mentioned it before also, It is a very inclusive and, and lively place for, for families to hang out. Yeah. And usually also programs there, but, but also a possible space to just be. I, I mean, do you want this to be, and I think it is to an extent, but do you want this to feel like the people's house? It's a place for everybody. It's owned yeah. by everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> How might you continue to go about that? What are the plans for the Nordic House? Yes, yeah, so we are working a lot with different communities. For example, women in Iceland with the growing project, but also with the, for example, Baltic diaspora here because uh, they use the house for their school every second week. The Swedish uh, weekend school is being established, and this is how we want to 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 share the house with the different communities, but also to bring in them to our program. So it must be like go in two directions. Yeah. Well, it's. It's going well, I think, by the looks of it and by the sounds of it. So I wish you all the the very best. Sabina, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Sabina Westerholm is the director of the Nordic House here in uh, Reykjavik. And if you are in town, then do visit. And if you're in one of the other Nordic capitals, visit their equivalents as well and compare and contrast. Sabina, thank you. It's Ruve English. I'm Darren Adam. You can get in touch with us anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.